0: back. Welcome to the Wego Places Podcast, where we catch up with Wego grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at Wego since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, we talk to Eric Hernandez, class of 2005, assistant strength and conditioning coach, internship coordinator at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Eric will share with us how his experience as a competitive track athlete in college became a career training athletes at a dominant Division I sports program. Joining us today is Eric Hernandez from the class of 2005. Eric, can you tell us what you do?
1: Yes, so I am the Associate Director for Strength and Conditioning at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Um, And I work with our uh, men's and women's across teams, our men's and women's golf teams, our, and as well as our volleyball teams. Uh, I'm responsible for the uh, day-to-day uh, development and implementation of strength and conditioning programs, so that entails everything from speed and strength development, uh, recovery, mobility-type things, um, <clears throat> as well as you know aiding wherever I can uh, to the coaching staffs and to the athletes um, to help them with their their, their physical, uh, endeavors.
0: So Eric, once you left West Chicago high school, uh, where did you go off to? And, and did you know that you wanted to be involved in athletics and all things kind of the, the, that were physical that go along with that as a career? Uh,
1: so when I graduated, uh, high school from West Chicago, I went off to university of Illinois, Chicago. I was a track and field athlete there as well as at West Chicago. And I, kind of started with the idea that I wanted to work in physical therapy. I knew health and wellness was a track that was important to me. And so I started the pre-physical therapy route at uh, UIC as a track and field athlete. After a year there, I transferred to Loyola University in Chicago, where I they didn't have a PT-type route, so I went into biology. And I knew that it was going to be a good way to kind of be a prerequisite into any master's program or, or professional program that I may want to apply for. Um, and I kind of had the idea of maybe potentially going to medical school. Uh, I really wanted to work in sports med and, and health was, uh, uh, was a big part of uh, you know, my life and, and how it revolved around athletics. So I kind of started with that route and, and I, uh, I did four years at, at, uh, at Loyola University in Chicago. I competed for the track team there as well. And by the time I got to about my junior year, I took the MCAT that summer, I studied all summer and, and, and took the exam, and I didn't do very well. As opposed to going and starting back all over, the, you know, like a four, you know, four month or five months, whatever, studying period, um, I kind of started researching some other opportunities. And actually, my strength and conditioning coach at Loyola made a recommendation to me, well, why wouldn't you become a strength coach? You know, you really like the weight room and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could be, a, you know, you could go to that route. And so I started to kind of explore it a little bit more. And, um, you know, I had a, a mentor in the field who basically just said, if you really are interested in something like this, you should get involved as soon as possible and start at Loyola. So I started helping out in the weight room at Loyola, and I, and I really fell in love with it. Uh, it was fun to help athletes. Um, you know, I thought I, as a, as a, as a, shorter uh thrower um my my uh uh, my competitors were much bigger than i was taller but you know i I actually stacked up decently with them strength wise so i was able to maximize my genetic potential by you know the weight or the work i put in the weight room and on the track and things like that so i thought well this could be a cool way to help uh my it was actually like my teammates sometimes and and uh Uh, classmates out and doing the same thing. So how can I help them in training? And and So our strength coach kind of took me under uh, his wing and and I was able to get my hands dirty and get coaching right away. And then at the end of my senior year, I uh, I actually went and did an internship uh, at a local high school. Uh, This was back when it was very challenging to get uh, internships and I tried to work at Northwestern, I tried to work at Wisconsin, I tried to work at Illinois. And I couldn't get an unpaid internship um, just because they they didn't really take that many people. Now you know it's it's absurd to not you know take free help, especially you know. But I could have also bombed the uh, the interview, so who knows? Uh, but uh, you know the, it, now the the, the the unfortunately the field is very saturated, so there's a large amount of unpaid interns. But back then I couldn't get one, so I worked at a local high school. I worked at Now's North High School as for summer interning with their uh, um, with their uh, athletics department and just trained whoever was around with mainly football and track and some volleyball kids over the summer um, and then I finished my last year I actually did five years I actually did four years at Loyola I had an injury along the way at Loyola that um, was another thing that really inspired me to go the, the, the prevention route and strength conditioning because I realized that I could probably help prevent uh, an injury with a student-athlete uh, by learning from my experiences. So I came back and I, and I took that fifth year because of eligibility, uh, because of my injury. And I finished out and, and had a pretty successful um, senior season. I qualified for the, the, they call it a pre-national meet now. It used to be regional meet. Um, and that was kind of a big thing for Loyola University. Uh, I set the school record there in the shot put. Um, it, it's not anything to be too crazy about because the record wasn't that great, but still, I can still say it. Uh, but, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, from there, I actually uh, left straight to uh, Arizona State, and I went to Arizona State University, and I was at an intern in their strength conditioning department with their football program. So I spent the uh, summer in Arizona uh, working for for them, and and I I really liked it, and I had a great time, and I realized that you know. And Division one athletics was, was was appropriate for me and, and my competitive uh, spirit and, and the passion that I had for the, the workforce so at the end of the summer I was kind of figuring out well, what am I where am I going next right, I just finished up an internship Jobs are hard to come by um, and it's funny that actually the person who got me my next internship um, was a guy I worked with at the high school who <clears throat> was at a conference. With actually my current boss and said hey you need an intern or GA or anything like that that's graduate assistant and he said yeah sure so they linked me up with uh, uh, my boss now and I came out actually here as an intern and I uh, started as an intern with the same teams that kind of were working around now and I, I spent a semester working applying to positions all over the place didn't get anything spent another semester uh, all that time you know these were, this is an unpaid internship so uh, I would have to work at a bar uh, in town I'd bounce and wait tables in order to, to keep afloat so my days are pretty full. and then uh, I always like to tell this story I, I got a, all, I got a call for a to be a graduate assistant at Tulsa and this position I, I, my name got across this guy's desk. Not because I applied for the position, but because of my college strength and conditioning coach. This is kind of this is kind of a weird tangent. My college strength conditioning coach, his his little brother played football at ISU, and his strength coach at ISU was the guy I went to work for at Tulsa. So when I was an undergrad, my strength coach called him said, "Hey, do you need a GA?" This is when I was trying to figure out where I was going to go. The first time, and said, "No, we're we're set. Thanks, though." So that same guy, when he went from ISU to Tulsa, then remembered my name, called me, and asked me if I wanted a position. I'm like, "Oh, absolutely! It's paid. I get my school paid for. I get to work with football. You know, great. Let's go." So I moved out to Tulsa, um, and I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and working, uh, you know, working a different life in Oklahoma, and it was great. And then. By the end of that summer, I was only there for a short stint before I didn't even get a chance to start my master's degree. I actually got a call from my current boss at UNC, who I did an internship with before, asked me to come back for a paid position. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Because after living in Oklahoma, after living in Arizona, North Carolina is one of the most beautiful states in the country. And I was like, okay, I got to go back there because that that was what what I really loved. So I came back to uh, UNC, and that was back in 2011. And I've been here ever since. Um, and I've kind of worked from beginning an intern to a part-time to assistant to assistant director to associate director, how I am now, um, working with all sorts of teams here. Um, at one point, I probably worked with almost every team on campus except for a football team. Um, and I've enjoyed every step along the way. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it was, there was a, the start was hard, but it was a, it was worth a, every second of it.
0: I mean, what a, what a cool traversing of the country. I mean, you, you start, you know, urban in Chicago and make your way out to Arizona and Tulsa and all these uh, different places. It must've been such a unique time to uh, be young and see all of these places and, it really seems like you've fallen in love with, with North Carolina. It, you're right. It is just a beautiful state. There's just so much to offer. I I was wondering if I maybe like rewind a little bit, you know, you you were uh, a competitive athlete at, at Loyola and, and UIC. uh, And and I was, I was wondering if you could maybe kind of talk about like what were some of the kind of cool um, things that you learned and you observed, you know, being in a program like that uh, and the things that you saw as, as a competitor and, and how you grew and maybe some of the places that you were able to kind of travel to uh, in, in that uh, capacity as an athlete at that level.
1: Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I, I kind of got to pull away from as a, as a student athlete um, was this, the idea of time management and what you're really capable of. Um, college is a lot of work just in general. Then you put another, you put a sport on top of that, and it's not just oh you play your sport and you get to go game like you have, uh, you know you have to be around for team meetings, you have weights, you have practices, you have, you have competitions, you have travel, you have all these things, um, and so the freshman year for 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 any student, but then a student athlete, you really have to learn a lot about time management skills and and what what you're capable of, and I was I I was at first I struggled and then I kind of had an aha moment. You know, my, my, my roommate was a student athlete himself. And and we kind of both worked on this together and we came to the conclusion that we really, we're really capable of a lot if we, you know, apply ourselves. but we got to kind of put some boundaries out there, you know, uh, you know, work and play and, you know, we had, we had fun and we, you know, we enjoyed our college experience, but we also at the same time knew how to uh, knew the right times when to, you know when to have fun when to buckle down and get things done because we really enjoyed um, <clears throat> the competitive the competitive atmosphere uh, in athletics and that was the cool thing that I think uh, I've gotten to see at all the different schools and in UIC even to Loyola there was a difference you know within some programs there they, they were very successful and they had a culture of that and they pushed themselves really hard and they held themselves to a high standard and then some other programs they they didn't and you know, I really wanted to uh, track and build is a sport where you're going to go as far as you can as an individual. So, um, I didn't have to worry about whether my teammates were as motivated as me or not. I, I was, I could push myself and be like those other programs on campus that I saw that were very competitive and some, some weren't. And that was something that actually was a, a challenge for me at UIC was there were some, there were some, th- there wasn't enough of that, um, the culture of wanting to succeed no matter what because it's hard as a smaller mid-major school to see yourself as competitive with the power five uh, schools and uh loyola had a little bit more of that in them um, and my best friend uh, actually derek jensen he he went to loyola and he played volleyball there and when i would go visit him i'd kind of just see that culture around there and like this is kind of a little bit more in line with uh, what was important for me as far as pushing myself in this in the classroom but also um on the on the in the, the, the field you could say uh, but in the, in the ring for me is what it was but you know that so that was a, a real there's a lot of a you know growth from there just seeing what, what I what I wanted to align myself with what I would have to do to surround myself with those with similar people in order to keep myself on that track otherwise it'd be, it's really easy to fall into the the easy way out and you know I got to go and see some cool spots uh, you know we, we we would go off to other schools and, and you'd see similar things. And, and then it just, you just got to start to see like who you want to uh, associate with yourself with the people who wanted to win and saw no excuses or just the people who got to kind of participate. So that was probably some big things that I, I think back on, um, you know, is having those moments to get so many big exposures. And as a, uh, you know, a young adult figuring out, you know, kind of where we where you going to take, where are you going to take your career, your life and, Um, Yeah, that you know, you got a lot of fast exposures when you're in athletics.
0: It's cool that you had the capacity to reflect and see that you wanted to attach yourself to a culture. Within the institution that was going to maximize your goals in such a way that you 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 understood that that you had to kind of elevate that and make probably it's not easy to switch institutions especially when you have to you know tell the coach tell the program that you're kind of going over this other thing so that was a that was a really bold leap uh, that you were able to make there you know in your in your travels to all these kind of different programs it's it's interesting that you have been able to see the variety of Resources that these programs have. So, you know, whether or not you start, start off at UIC to Loyola, and then uh, popping down to Niles North, um, and, and certainly that's of a high school, a suburban high school, they probably have really great resources there as a high school. But then you got to go to ASU, and then Tulsa, and now you're at uh, University of North Carolina. I was wondering if you could maybe comment on like just the type of what it's like to be. Surrounded with, for lack of a better word, like the best tools and toys, you know that can help you, you know, maximize the th- the work that you're doing. And it, you know, it was there a drastic uh, uptick in the type of resources that you had uh, from university to university as you were um, as you were uh, completing your work. Uh,
1: that's a that's a good question because I think if you had asked me earlier on, you know. Especially at Loyola or at, at UIC, you know, do you think that's hindering you from being successful? Um, I had a chip on my shoulder a little bit when I was in in college, where I would say, no, it didn't, you know, it didn't matter to me. You know, I, I was gonna do whatever. You know, I don't need that. I don't need that. Blah blah blah. Because we used to train and uh, you know, while our schools are training, where they're throwing in this nice facilities outside, uh, we were throwing in a racquetball court. Um, or we'd have to drive, you know, 35 minutes through Chicago and, and traffic and everything to get to a not so great field where you'd have, you know, some, some sketchy things going on around you while you're trying to practice. Um, and so I had that, but then, you know, as I started working, I was, you know, I got exposed to, you know, a lot of resources and I just thought, well, this is the only way to get it done. Uh, you know Arizona state with football you know you had we had pretty much whatever we needed and the coaches had a did a great job of utilizing all of their equipment and uh, resources and you, you kind of realize oh this is these are these actually help be a little more advantageous to consistent training at high levels um, but then I'm you know Tulsa' is a little bit smaller um you know even at unc you know i, I work in uh, olympic sports and the funding isn't as big as it is with uh, with football and you know i've seen that differences and and through it all i think there there's probably it, it's always easier to say well yeah these great facilities you you get way more done but i i think the more i'm getting it through this i think that um it's it's nice to have but i don't think you need to have and i th- and I, I think if you're just doing a real nice job with the, the basics, uh, basic facilities, then it makes it, uh, that's, that's what you really need, just a just really, really good job with the basics. Um, but there are some things that I'm really spoiled, like we have good weather, you know, if we're up in Illinois, we, that, that that's a huge challenge. Uh, so, you know, if, if I had to take that over for more facilities, I'd take the better weather because then you can be outside. Um, you know, I've seen transformations happen here where we've had turf fields, we've had grass fields. Um, and those are real nice to have as well. Like, you know, but sometimes we didn't have those, so we'd have to figure out other ways to get things done. But for the most part, we do have, um, we do have everything we need and probably more. Um, but if I had to survive off of less, I could. Um, so it, it's nice. And I think the big thing is, is just what you do with what you have. And, and it comes down to the professional and, and, uh, and the culture that you build more so than, you know just saying i need this i need that in order to get things done the thing that we are challenged with uh, and then us in particular because we're kind of keeping up with the joneses but uh, where schools like loyola and illinois chicago will start to struggle is the is the recruiting aspect of you know yeah if, if you're able to offer more then recruits are going to go to more you know they're going to want to go to universities when they get meals and they get uh you know great facilities as opposed to saying oh yeah i want to go take the you know smaller school that you know we have we have a chip on our shoulder like yeah but sometimes it's just nice to to have all those other things too so um, the recruiting aspect is is big as far as the differences and things that goes but i think um as far as how you can be effective is more so as the the coach as the you know as the professional wherever whatever atmosphere you are it's 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 kind of it should it should fall on you first, and your abilities more so than just saying oh, I can't do this because of uh, I don't have that type of thing.
0: Because in the back of my mind, you know, it's it's kind of like both things can be true. I, I'm thinking about <laughs> that juxtaposition of Rocky Four, right, where you have Rocky in the the, uh, the the Siberian wilderness training with logs and you know walking up with snow, and then you have the you know Ivan Drago with all the high tech you know equipments With the exception of him being plunged with you know steroids, but like you know both can be true, right? Where like you you can you can be a better athlete because you grind it out with the, even with the basics, but you know, science is there for a reason and it can, it can really help kind of adapt the type of uh, like the things that probably people didn't even think about 20, 30 years ago is the importance of things like prevention and recovery. I mean, my stepfather was a professional soccer player for the Chicago sting and he had knee surgery, and then within like two weeks, they had him out playing on astroturf after he had like knee surgery. Like this is unthinkable back in the seventies. You know that would that that would be even permissible, um, but now it's uh, it, it, they would take much better care in all parts of that. So it's 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 amazing to see the way in which sports science is really. Uh, is so much better. What are some of the kind of breakthroughs that you've seen that have been really interesting and that you're excited about that have occurred on your watch as you've been a part of this career?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> you know,
1: I, I think there it's challenging because it's kind of one of those things where what's, what's uh, what's old is new. So I don't know if I've seen like a ton of uh, uh, huge advancements as far as that goes. I think uh, it, you're starting to see some pretty cool things as far as the holistic approach to, to, to dealing with to helping student-athletes, supporting student-athletes. Um, you're seeing more performance models where uh, people are working together with other entities like uh, nutrition, like uh, you know, sports medicine, and, and psychology, sports psychology – and the strength conditioning and the coaching staffs. So you, I, I think seeing some of those uh, collaborations have been unique. Um, you know, they take a lot of work. So that it's sometimes they, they start up and they don't last as long as they should. But the, when it's when it's very, you know, collaborative, I think that's where you see some really cool things happening. Um, where, you, you know, like, for example, maybe GPS, uh, That that's something that's kind of a, a buzz out there right now. And I've seen it where people use it really well and i've where people just use it and collect data but don't really do anything effective but it comes back to that performance model and when you do have that then i think you see some cool things going on you know one of our teams you know we we meet weekly and we'll go over uh you know when the, pra- the hard practices have to be based off of the the data that we see and based off of the, the feedback we get from student athletes and and that's where some some pretty cool things happen and that just goes back to you know but some good old-fashioned great lines of communication um so is it new eh, it's kind of new in the way that it's packaged but it's it kind of goes back to an old and great communication uh and no egos it really is a is, is a sweet spot um, but you're seeing some really cool uh facilities pop up you know our facility is you know I, I got here right when the facility just got made but the one before we had this was like a quarter of the size so seeing you know we have, we have like I think it's like 20,000 square feet of, of training space for our athletes, which was unheard of, you know, before. And, you know, we, now we have a, an indoor football, uh, indoor football field where we can go in and run and do things like that. So weather is never an issue for us. So some of these structures that are going up uh, just are, it's insane how much, you know, how much goes into these and how helpful they are to, to managing, you know, not having any hiccups in training because as other schools are able to do it train year round and they don't have to stop because of snow or this and that, you know, that, that starts to to pay off when, you know, when you're, when you're going against the, the best in the country. So,
0: yeah, that's interesting because you always hear about the advantages that certain states have because they can train all year. Like if it's a baseball player or soccer players from California or Florida, um, they there's no they're always able to be outside and not have the weather be the thing that restricts their particular performance. Uh, as a result, it's always going to be more or less consistent. That's it's interesting. I, I, I you forget about that sometimes. So you know, Eric, I was I was wondering too. Like, Like you, you, so an athlete comes to you and they have kind of a a default level of talent and maybe even some type of just natural gifts uh, and maybe even genetically blessed because of their frame or their size or just whatever it may be. But, But I was wondering, like, you know, what, how do you then get their mind right to the challenges to kind of. You know, to take those gifts and blessings and and get them to that next level. What are you know? How do how do you kind of approach your particular um, your students or clients or I'm not sure what, what we would uh, designate them as? What's your approach to that? To kind of uh, to kind of you know coach their 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 uh, what they need to do intrinsically to get to that next level.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I th- I kind of take a similar approach with with all of them where. Uh, and again, again, it goes, I think I would take it with, even if I didn't have the the pick of the litter with some of the best athletes in the country, um, because a lot of times they're really, really good at their sport, but they maybe aren't physically developed to where they need to be. And that's okay because, you know, that's what's our job is to slowly cook them along. Right. Um, and, and, and so that's the approach I take is just basically a clean slate with all of them. You know, every time a, a freshman or incoming freshman reaches out, they say, okay, what should I do leading up to coming on campus? And the first thing I say is just come on campus healthy. Uh, you know, you're never going to impress me with your, 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 ma- your high school maxes and things like that. That stuff doesn't matter to me. I, I need to see you move. I need to progress you. I need to coach you. I need to, I need to bring you along. Not necessarily. You come in and saying, "Well, this is where I'm at, and this is where we go." So, um, one is that I start from scratch, and two is that I, I don't try. I don't try to be a coach. I don't try to be a lacrosse coach, a golf coach, a volleyball coach. I know kind of where my lane is, and I stay in it. And I know the body very well, and I know the the basic um, biomotor abilities that. Um, they need to get better at like the speed. Maybe they need to get better at strength. Maybe they need to get better at power. Maybe they need to get better at flexibility. And then I try to, I work backwards from where their weaknesses are, trying to make them stronger, work backwards, whatever I know their strengths are and try to keep them their strengths. Um, and, and that's kind of how the approach I take, it. I take kind of the physical approach to it. Um, and I have the, one, what their goal is mine. Cause I know or what's our goal? We gotta be able to make it to a two hour, two and a half hour practice for whatever sport. Okay, so what do they have to do? They're going to have to be, maybe they jump a lot, maybe they run a lot, um, you know, and then I, that's how I build the program off of there. And I think, okay, where are they currently at? Right? If, if they're out of shape, well, then the first thing we need to do is get them in shape. All right? If they're really in good shape but they're slow, well, we got to get them faster. And so it's never so like that, um, you know, oh, they're really good. How can I make put an extra five miles per hour on their, uh, their shot or whatever? It's how can I – Make them as healthy as possible to withstand the year, because the reality is they could come in, they make, they could never train, and then they still be successful as an athlete. And I was never a part of that. Um, so the last thing I would want to do is sit there and try to, uh, you know, create, you know, this illusion that I'm the and this, that and the other thing to make them better at their sport. When really, the most important work is going to happen is on the field, right? but how can I help prepare them for that? And one thing you alluded to was mentally too. Like if they feel better, right, because of what we're doing in the weight room or on the field, well, then they're going to be in a better mindset in order to, to compete. Um, and maybe sometimes kids need uh, to feel physically better, you know, see some numbers in the weight room or whatever to feel better in the field. Maybe some people need to just need some space of, of learning about their bodies a little bit more with nothing remarkable as far as weightlifting goes. And then they get better. Um, so it's really kind of a, having a different needs analysis every year, um, and then over time you can kind of get a feel for what each team needs consistently, um, and and just be a small role. in in and that you know, some some people I do very little with. All right, here's the program. You know, when you're with the team, you work out. I coach you up a little bit, and then some some people they need more, so that, you know they reach out or they come up, and I I have to spend a lot of time on. I get to spend a lot of time on. Uh, you know, maybe supporting them mentally, supporting, helping them out nutritionally, helping them out rehab or things like that. Um, You know, just kind of sit there and wait for just to see, you know, what opportunities uh, present themselves so that I can help them.
0: It's interesting. You're saying that there might be some that um, sport or athlete or a particular sport or program where maybe you, you don't need, uh, as much maybe intervention, you know, you were talking about obviously getting stronger and then monitoring diets and thinking about prevention and then uh, recovery and all that. Is there one sport that's like the trickiest uh, of all of them to manage the, all the various physical needs uh, of an athlete? Is there one that's like, there's just, you're spinning more plates with this sport than another one? Um,
1: I think it's very situational a lot of times because uh, there's so many different variables that go into uh, what we end up doing with our, with our teams. Sometimes, you know, coaches want more help and sometimes coaches don't want more help. So, but you know, one of the teams that's, uh, it's particularly uh, I'm, I'm very involved with would be our men's across team. And, and part of the reason why is because it's 50 to 60 guys, so just by managing that type of number, you're going to inherently have more work. Um, you know, their their coach gives me pretty much free reign on doing everything I need to do. So I develop their speed work, their conditioning work. Um, I help uh, run and and help run their their GPS system and and give them advice on how to run how to. Utilize the, the data, um, you know, I help with their rehab uh, when guys get hurt. You know, I, I work with our sports medicine staff and uh, developing, you know, return to play protocols for them. Um, you know, so there, there's 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 a lot of extra things. You know, I coordinate massages for the guys after games uh, in season. So there's a lot of just little things go up just by sheer, sheer number of, of, uh, of athletes, but also the things they have to be able to do. They have to sprint, they have to jump, they have to... You know, run they have to do all those things and then also the 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 need from the coaching staff where they they want my help um you know and then there's some there's smaller sports like you know golf for example um you know they, they 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 there's there's a couple guys on the team that really want a ton of extra stuff and want to do the work and then there's some guys on the team that play just well very well without having any interventions and in the summertime, they're playing tournaments all summer, so they don't need anything from me. <laughs> so, you know, I have a little <laughs> bit of everything. Where uh, it just, you know, ebbs and flows of the year, and and uh, some some years, some teams need more. Some years they they take care of more themselves, and you know, kind of yeah, there's there's just it's it's never the same. But I think sheer by sheer number of people, and and uh, I think, you know, that'd be like I'm my men's lacrosse team, a big one.
0: Eric, you mentioned GPS system. That's not like, is that, is that a, that's an acronym I don't know, or unless it's a GPS that I'm thinking of. Is there, is that a different one within sports health?
1: No, it, it would be kind of what you're thinking of. It's, uh, okay. um, you know, it, it is a satellite. It, so they were, so the athletes will wear these little um, monitoring uh, pucks or, you know, little units that go put uh, it where it's like a sports bra. And it goes on their upper back and it connects to satellite and it'll tells you how much they run during practice and games, how fast they run. Um, and so it gives you some other data points. So we'll, we'll use those to uh, make some decisions on, on practice and games.
0: What's the most interesting data point that is actionable that you come across with the science of it? I think the biggest thing, um, you know, if I had to go back and talk to
1: West Chicago High School uh, athletics would be that we see a lot of yardage when, uh, practice goes longer. Uh, it sounds like, oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you do something for longer, you're going to travel further, you know, with, but sometimes coaches will be like, oh, you know, we haven't, we had an easy practice. It was three hours, but we didn't really do too much. But then you see the yardage is like, well, that's the same as a game. So where you originally thought eh, it was kind of an easy day today. Yeah. Well, you know, that kid's still going to feel that as like, man that, that day sucked um, <laughs> so that's one thing and also sometimes that how hard people uh, coaches think they go in practice uh, doesn't uh, doesn't correlate to what happens in a game you know for example we like to look at a, a, a metric called high speed running so basically how fast they run not just how they run you know they, in a game they may run we'll say we'll throw a number out there 300 yards of high speed running you know like actually stuff that's hard to do running getting up to speed And then in practice, they may run, you know, we've had it where it's like, oh, they run like 50 yards of high speed running one day, 100 yards another day. And then you're like, well, we need to get better at, we need to have these ready because we we don't want this the first time we're exposed to this being a game. And then that's when pulls and things happen like that. Mm -hmm. So those two things would be, you know, the duration of the practice, and then it would be the quality of the practice Um, really make a difference on what kind of, what you see on game day
0: what's what's a typical day like for you so do you, how how early do you start and and how late are you uh, at the facility uh good question um, so i my position I'll pre- first off
1: for unc you know I, I i start usually i may have a group at 7am and then i may have a, a group at 4:30pm um, and then throughout the day, I'll have various groups. So, like, I'll, get, I'll run down today real quick. So I had a volleyball lift at 7 in the morning, and then I had a women's lacrosse lift at 7.30, and then I had a men's lacrosse lift at 9 a.m., um, and then I got a quick workout in myself. Um, then I had – I ran an errand real quick, and then I had uh, three rehab individuals um, for, you know, a couple hours, uh, then I had another class makeup lift, and then um, I'll, I'll be done for the work day. In other days, I may have a, a late team that comes in like 4.30, so I may be there to 5.36. Um, and then outside of the – and that's usually kind of a Monday through Friday type of thing. Luckily, I don't have a ton of weekend hours. Um, in season, I do have more. I go to the games, uh, you know, and, and I'll be around for those. But uh, – <clears throat> And then, but I also, in addition to um, working at UNC, I run my own private business where uh, I kind of, uh, I do online programming, I do uh, in-person training uh, for local uh, student athlete, or so for local athletes, um, some, you know, general population. Uh, and so I'll actually train, <laughs> right now I have a couple clients, one client comes in to my house at uh, either 5.30 or six thirty six in the morning and then I'll train them and then I'll go home and maybe train another client at five o'clock or, or you know five thirty p.m or whatever time I get home depending on it where the need is throughout the year um, so it could be a
0: you know anywhere
1: from a 12 hour to maybe a little less maybe a little bit more depending on where we're at in the year day
0: Wow. It, it, that's a. I, I would imagine that you would have to be very locked in with your schedule for with family and all these other things. Just uh, with with all of that.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's it gets intense. But luckily, you know, I, since COVID happened, I uh, I transitioned a lot of my clients to actually my house, so I'm able to um, do some stuff at home where I'll have uh, my kids that there as well, so I don't miss out too much and uh bedtime and dinner time and things like that. Transitions are just real tight, you know. <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I'm done with one, I'm on to the next thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, 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 like for for the, the the casual person who's not like a an elite athlete or uh you know is is uh working out with um with all these incredible resources, the coaches, the technology and all that stuff, what's like the one like bit of like motivational advice that you think that could probably keep a a mere mortal, uh, going to kind of keep motivated and all that. What's, what's something that you think that, uh, that someone who isn't like the, the athletes that you train, uh, could use that to kind of, uh, power through. Um, you mean for training wise or yeah, yeah. For training or, or otherwise. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that, I don't know. It just, I think it comes back to interpersonal type of thing, like kind of finding what ticks and why you're doing what you're doing. And once you kind of find that you keep going back to that and trying to hold on to that and, and figuring out how you're going to help, how you're helping others. And um, if it's training for something, okay, what, what's your goal? And, and, and how are these, these moments of tiredness and struggle and, and how is that going to add up to, to your end goal? Um, and knowing that it's not always going to be you know, sunshine and, and, and things like that, you know, and knowing that those low times are just going to add up to the, the high times and, Never getting too high, never getting too low on things is. There's uh, some quotes that I've kind of heard from others that they've it, kind of resonated with me. Um, yeah, because it, it can be easy to when it's hard to want to, you know, just say, is this worth it? And you go, you go back to okay, originally why are you doing it? You know, whether it's training for to be a you know to win a game, whether it's training to be healthier for yeah. the the you know for your life and and family or Whatever your career, uh, you know, there's just it's just kind of always being real realizing how lucky you are to have the opportunity to struggle and how, you know, just kind of keeping things in perspective because it could be always a lot worse.
0: Eric, this has been great today. I just, I've learned a ton. This is such a fascinating career. I love everything about this. I was wondering as we end the interview today, if you could kind of give some tips uh, for current Wildcats for success and how to, uh, how to achieve uh, things like you have done.
1: Um, I think that you have to, um, you have to have laser focus uh, and, and find a, Uh, a group that can help or, you know, find others around you that have the same mindset um, because it's really easy to get distracted and, and think, always kind of think bigger. You know, I, I always thought about, you know, I don't know if this sounds good, but I always thought about getting out of West Chicago, you know, I always thought about what, where, how could I, how could I, you know, create my, my, uh, my reach further and further and further. And how could I affect others? And, um, you know, and, and if I was still in West Chicago doing what I'm doing, you know, that'd be fine too. But, you know, I always just, I just always never had this kind of like um, mindset of like just, this is good enough, right? I always just kind of wanted to find expand, expand, expand. And then a tireless work ethic. You know, my my dad, uh, I was lucky enough to my dad worked at West Chicago, that plant right down the road at General Mills for, um, for 40 years. And mm-hmm. he never had an excuse of... of and why he couldn't work harder in order to support his family and 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 you know be there for all of us and had never have an excuse so you know never have excuses and just set your 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 sights on the, the, the biggest things possible and work like hell until you get to them and because it'll pay off it may not always go the route you think I didn't plan on working for free for a year in order to get to what I wanted to do but um, but there's so many things that I'm so grateful for, of and, and constantly be reflecting upon, you know what your how how this can help you for the next step or how you can even use it to help someone else to help them with their next step. Um, but just never have excuses. Don't let uh, don't let others and their negative talk, you know, weigh you down and, and stop you from pursuing your your goals and your dreams. And if you want something, go get it. It sounds corny, but um, I never thought that. Uh, I'd be here now, you know, sitting in a West Coward classroom. I, I didn't know this was possible. And um, it, it, it is, and it's fun, and I'm really grateful.
0: Ah, That's great. Eric, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts. Or any other platform. Just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places.